Our planet is in crisis. The climate is collapsing. A great extinction is taking place now. Our species has created this crisis, actively poisoning our own habitat for trivial short-term gain. Leaders and systems everywhere have constantly failed to do anything about the crisis. We are now at Code Red. Survival of our species, the future of our children, and those who share the planet with us is at stake. Can you spare five minutes to save the Earth? Hi, I'm Ray Katz. Success. Rescuing the planet from climate collapse. What would it look like? What would it feel like? We've been hurling steadily towards doom for a long time. And this deadly course has accelerated. People are fearful, filled with anxiety, and consumed by despair. Most of us aren't trying to fix the problem to stop the collapsing climate because we don't know what to do and our leaders are completely lost or distracted or clueless or incompetent or evil. We don't know exactly why they have failed to take meaningful action. We only know that they've done nothing and that they are essentially rearranging the lawn chairs on the deck of the Titanic. We continue to stare at these failed leaders in horror as the iceberg looming behind us climbs into view. Is there a way out of this crisis? How would we go about it? What's the vision of a better future? Not just a fantasy vision, a realistic one, a vision within the possibilities of nature and human ability. Success is possible, and with sensible action, perhaps even probable. And while this success would not bring about a utopian world, compared to the current hell that's rapidly approaching, it would be, relatively speaking, paradise. In some ways, even with this success, the world would be worse off than today. I mean, our planet has been damaged, grievously and permanently. Much of the world we knew is gone and will never return. There is no avoiding it and no reversing it. And yet there is so much wrong with our lives beyond the climate collapse. If we stabilize the climate at some reasonable, still livable situation, well, our lives overall, or more accurately, the lives of our children, can easily be much better than what we have today. Remember that even before the climate crisis became so visible and so overwhelming, our lives had, and have, serious and severe problems. In much of the world, people still have less than what they need to have decent lives. Less healthy food, less shelter, less security, less medical care. And their time, as well as our time, is used, I'd say wasted, producing useless crap that mostly serves to create wealth for a small number of people before such crap is thrown into landfills. In other words, in addition to not providing enough for the people of Earth to live decent lives, our time, which is in fact our lives, are wasted in trivial pursuits for the benefit of a handful of clueless fools who sit atop this ridiculous system. We all know this, but like swimming fish, we cannot see the water that surrounds us. 
I hope these words open your eyes to the obvious, to what you already know but rarely think about, because this is the great opportunity for the future. We can and must live meaningful lives, not wasted ones. So maybe now you can see that the ridiculously praised imaginary virtue of work is not a virtue at all, but a foolish pursuit of no value whatsoever. What should we be doing instead? Well, not all labor is useless. Producing what's truly necessary for human life, as determined by nature and not culture or law or human folly like economics, is a worthwhile and important part of human existence. We want everyone to have what's needed to live. This is an essential ingredient for a world that any sane and caring person would want to live in. But beyond that minimal labor, getting the food and medicine and whatnot needed, labor beyond that is, and we should never forget, trading our lives for this extra stuff. Many of us have labored long and hard for extra stuff, and by now we should see that this stuff provides little joy and certainly is not worth decades of our lives to accumulate it. Our future, better world is a world in which we have much, much more time and significantly less stuff. Another way of looking at this is that we have more time to live and less to worry about stuff breaking or being stolen or being useless because we're too tired to enjoy or use the stuff. Furthermore, the production of this largely useless stuff is responsible for a significant amount of the climate destruction we've experienced. In effect, we are producing stuff that's killing us because we want the stuff to distract us from the anxiety we feel about our approaching self-inflicted doom. Stopping unnecessary production is a gift to ourselves and a gift to nature and to our children and to all the species that share this planet with us. Some people call this degrowth, but that strikes me as a word related to economics and our movement and our way of seeing the world goes way beyond economics. Indeed, the old economic view of the world was a kind of insanity that made it difficult to see how we could continue to live on this earth. Because under the laws of economics, keeping the planet inhabitable is unprofitable, and only destroying everything could fulfill the rules under which our civilization operates. That entire worldview was wrong and stupid and destructive. Our deeply constricted imaginations, limited by the rules that our leaders and culture consider pragmatic, made survival itself unrealistic. Something had to give. I say what we need to do is jettison the old ways. We need to move to a better world without the invented restrictions and rules and values that could only end in the mass murder and suicide of a competitive, money-focused world. We can change the world by changing the way we live. And I'm not talking about us individually trying to reduce our carbon footprints or stop eating beef or to expect uh, us to fix this world through millions of individual efforts. 
That is what the leaders and rulers would love us to do. They'd love us to take responsibility so they can continue to wield their power in the most destructive ways unopposed. But I'm also not suggesting we should actively oppose them. After all, leaders and rulers have weapons, and any resistance by force would be crushed by the people who have those weapons. I'd also like to point out that I am unwilling to use violence because it's morally wrong. In any case, the most effective power available to us was developed by activists of the past, by Gandhi, by King, by Cesar Chavez. They had the power to overwhelm the powerful. They ousted the British from India and ended segregation in the American South. This power can be wielded by us and you to protest and preserve our earth for everyone's children. We can make a world that sane people would be happy to live in. We can end this nightmare. This is the purpose of the Saners movement. The Saners are committed to saving the earth and building a better civilization, one that lives in accord with nature, and to use Gandhian methods, what he called Satyagraha, to achieve this. You can join this movement if you choose. The website is wearesaners.org, and you can sign up for the email list at wearesaners.org forward slash join. Thanks for listening. I'm Ray Katz. We have 8 billion people on the planet. Too many people. At least 1 billion of us are aware of the crisis we face and desperately want to help. But we feel alone, anxious, and powerless. But we are not alone. Find the others. Tell them we can do this. We can work together. We can change things. In fact, only we can do this. Talk with the others. Tell them about this podcast. Let's get together. Let's find our way. Let's take five minutes to save the earth.